This morning's scripture is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 20 through 22. Matthew, chapter 27, verses 20 through 22. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We are thankful for the opportunity to be together, to worship God in spirit and in truth, to enjoy fellowship with people of like precious faith. We're going to be looking in just a moment at Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to note in a very specific way verse 22. And so I would call your attention to Matthew chapter 27, verse 22. If you are visiting with us, as always, we count you an honored guest. We encourage you to come back and be with us. We would love to have you join hands with us and work and worship with us on a regular basis. It would be an honor for us to have you in our midst. In the 27th chapter of the book of Matthew, We have an account of Jesus having been betrayed, only later to suffer a beating. He was belittled, blasphemed, and now we have him before Pontius Pilate. And the Bible tells us that a question is asked. In verse 20, the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Now a little bit later, we're going to read of Jesus undergoing the scourge, and then suffering the ill treatment of the cross. But I want you to consider with me today the question, what will you do with Jesus? And there are three things that I would ask you to consider with me that I believe are inherent in this question that has been raised in the long ago. First of all, I would suggest that as we look to this statement by Pilate, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ, that it is a pointed question. It is a pointed question that demands inquiry. In other words, it is a question that I really believe demands our investigation. Who is this Jesus? We hear a lot of people talking about Jesus and Jesus the Christ. But who is he? Is it not the case that each and every one of us need to investigate and decide for ourselves who is this one that Pilate calls the Christ? 
I submit unto you that he is deity. And the Bible bears out the fact that he is deity. Prophetically speaking, we read of Isaiah pointing to the coming of the Messiah, the Son of God. In chapter 7, verse 14, he tells us that the Christ would be born of a virgin. And he said his name would be called Emmanuel. Now, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 1 that Emmanuel is translated God with us. Jesus was God in the flesh. In Isaiah chapter 9 at verse 6, Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Everlasting God, the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is deity. The prophets foretold of the coming of Christ, and he was viewed through their inspired lens as God in the flesh. But then also we find in the Bible some professions by others concerning his deity. For example, God the Father. In Matthew chapter 3, after Jesus was baptized by John in the river Jordan, the Bible tells us that God the Father said from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus, you recall, was transfigured on, on a mountain. And while on that mountain with Peter, James, and John, the text tells us that a voice came forth from heaven, God the Father again speaking from heaven. And he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And that's found in verse 5. God the Father lended testimony that this is his divine Son. But then also there were some statements or professions by Jesus himself. For example, Jesus said in John 8, verse 24, Except you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And what Jesus was saying there is, Unless you believe that I am the divine Son of God, you'll die in your sins. Jesus later said in John 8, verse 58, To the Jews of his day, before Abraham was, I am, underscoring his pre-existence and self-existing nature. Jesus was the Word who became flesh, as John tells us in chapter 1 at verse 14. Now, John the Apostle, he also provides testimony concerning the Christ. In John chapter 1, he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The eternal Logos being Christ, the Word. He is called God. He was the second member of the Godhead. 
But then also we think about the testimony of the Apostle Peter. In John chapter 6, Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life. And many of his disciples, after hearing this, went back and walked no more with him. Jesus then asked the apostles, Will you also go away? Peter responded by saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter affirming that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of the living God. We think about statements found in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus then asked, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus responds by saying, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And so again, testimony that Jesus is the Son of God, that is, he's deity. In, Ma in John chapter 20, we read of the account of the resurrected Christ appearing to the apostles. The first meeting, Thomas was not present, and so... Thomas is often labeled as Doubting Thomas. But later, Jesus stands in the presence of the apostles and Thomas. Thomas had said he would not believe in the resurrected Lord unless he could see the physical evidence of the print of the nails and the spear that had riveted the side of Christ. And so Jesus allowed him to examine his physical body. And Thomas responded by saying, my Lord and my God. Again, testimony that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we think about those professions made by numerous individuals, including God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. Jesus is deity. But then also... As we think about the Christ, we need to also note some descriptions that have to do with the portrait that is painted for us in the New Testament and in the Bible itself. We ask the question, who is the Christ? We said it is a pointed question. The Bible speaks of Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end in Revelation Chapter 1, verses 8 and 11. He is called the author and finisher of our faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, at verse 2. He is the author of eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 5, at verse 9. He is the bread of life. John 6, verse 35. He is the bright and morning star. Revelation twenty-two sixteen. He is our commander, Isaiah 55, at verse 4. He is the good shepherd, John 10, at verse 10. He is the word who became flesh, John 1, 14. He is the Lamb of God, 
John 1, verse 29. He is the line of the tribe of Judah, Revelation chapter 5, at verse 5. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords in 1 Timothy 6, verse 15. So it's a pointed question. It is a question that merits an investigation. Let me just ask this question. Have you investigated the claims about the Christ? But then secondly, I submit unto you that it is a personal question. In other words, when we look at Matthew chapter 27, at verse 22, Pilate asked the question, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? It is an inviting question. You and I, we have to ultimately render a decision about the Christ. Pilate asked, What shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Each and every one of us must answer in a similar way. What am I going to do with the Christ? What are you going to do? Will you be receptive to him or will you reject him? What about those who are receptive to the Christ? I said just a moment ago that this is a personal question. It is a question that I believe each and every one of us must carefully and prudently answer. It is a question directed to us and not to our neighbor. What will you do? Will you be receptive to him? Those who are receptive to him must have faith in him. Now the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. Once that faith has been born in our heart, it must be acted upon. We know that without faith it's impossible to be well pleasing to him. According to the Hebrew writer in chapter 11. Faith mandates action. Well... Those who have faith in Christ must become a follower of Christ. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Luke 14, Jesus said, before you follow him, you better count the cost. You need to decide whether or not you are willing to do what he says. When you become a Christian, it is a lifelong commitment. It is something that you get in and you plan to stay in. In other words, you get into the body of Christ and you stay in his service until death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 7 verse 4 that those who belong to Christ are married to Christ. And so we want to make sure that that relationship is what it should be. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to become a follower of his, come what may? Once you become a follower of Jesus, then you must bear fruit. Because Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That is, we live a holy life, we live a godly life. 
We strive to be righteous in our demeanor. That is, we live in accordance with the principles taught in the New Testament. We try to put into practice the teaching of our Lord. We're bearing fruit on a regular basis. And finally, we're called upon to be faithful. Because we understand that the crown of life awaits the faithful. Jesus said, be thou faithful until death. And I will give unto thee the crown of life that is to Stephanos, the victor's crown. On the other hand, it might be the case that instead of being receptive to him, you will reject him. Now there are a lot of people down through the ages that have been receptive to the teaching of the Christ. On the other hand, there have been multiplied millions of people that have rejected him. Let me give you a couple of examples. I would suggest that if you choose to reject him, it could manifest, manifest itself in a couple of ways. First of all, you might delay or defer to obey him until a later date. Think about Felix in the long ago. The Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul had the opportunity to reason with him concerning righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come. And the Bible says he was terrified. And yet instead of obeying the gospel, instead of doing what he should have done, Luke tells us he responded to Paul by saying, Go thy way. When I have a more convenient season, I will call for thee. There are a lot of people that have made the decision. They're not going to obey him today. They have deferred until a later date. The only problem with that is we have no assurance of being on planet earth tomorrow, much less next month or next year. I think about individuals that I've had the opportunity to preach to on occasions. That have been in services of the Lord's church on Sunday morning. Only to be in eternity before the end of the week. Don't wait too late. But then also there are some who will simply decline. They just simply say, no, it's not for me. And at least they're honest and forthright. Christianity's not, it's just not for me. I'm not willing to pay the price. I'm not willing to bear the cost. We read of the Apostle Paul as he stood before King Agrippa. He asked Agrippa in the long ago, do you believe the prophets? And then he said, I know that you believe the prophets. Agrippa responded by saying, almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian. There are a lot of people today. They have heard the testimony born about the Christ. They believe the Bible. They understand the teaching of the gospel. But they simply will state, I'm not willing to do what the Bible says. I'm not going to become a New Testament Christian. I'm not going to obey the gospel. They are defiant and rebellious. So they reject him. What will you do?
Will you be receptive to the teaching of Christ? Or will you reject him? But then there is a third very important question, I believe, that we see in verse 22. It is a question of preeminence. And by that I simply mean it is a question of utmost importance. You see, you and I, we have to answer this question. Because our eternal destiny hangs in the balances. How you answer this question will determine where you will spend eternity. I wonder if Pilate understood the magnitude of the question he posed nearly 2,000 years ago. When he said, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? What are you going to do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Now you can be receptive to him or you can reject him. If you receive him and follow him and faithfully live for him, then you have the hope of heaven. Jesus talked about heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus talked about the hope of heaven. Peter describes heaven as a place that is incorruptible, undefiled. He said it fades not away, it's reserved in heaven for you. Sometimes we say heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. What you do with Jesus will determine whether or not you go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. The problem is not everyone is willing to do what the Lord says in order to obtain the hope of heaven. Think about obeying the gospel, becoming a New Testament Christian, being endowed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, according to Paul in Ephesians 1 verse 3, of living in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1 verse 2. To think that you have those promises, you can have them, but it all depends on what you will do with Jesus. On the other hand, there is the thoughts, or there are the thoughts of hell, Gehenna, the hell of fire. Now we live in a society today in which many people, they don't want to hear about hell. They're happy to hear about heaven, but they do not want to hear anything about hell. Well, the interesting thing is that Jesus talked about hell more than any other person in the New Testament. The only other reference to the, to the place called hell in the New Testament, outside the gospel record, is by James. And he links hell to the tongue. Those who spurn the teaching of our Lord, who say no to Christ, their eternal destiny will be the hell of fire. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus pictures his second coming. And those on his left hand 
he said he will simply say, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't prepared for you or me for that matter. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But those who repudiate him, reject him, hell will be their eternal destiny. And so when you, when you think about important questions, there are a lot of important questions that are posed to us in life. We think about young people as they begin starting out in life, where they're going to go to college, where they're going to live, who are they going to marry, what kind of work are they going to enter into. All of these questions, very important. Let me tell you, there's not a greater question you will ever answer on planet earth than this. What will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? What are you going to do with him? Are you going to be receptive to him? Or will you reject him? The choice is yours. If you're here today, you're not a New Testament Christian, could we encourage you to come to Christ? Believing that he is the Son of God, would you be willing to do as they did on Pentecost Day when Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. When you do that, the Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2.47. If you live a faithful life, the promise of heaven is before you. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, why not come home? Why not make things right with the loving God this very hour? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?